Alright everybody, welcome back. In this episode, we're going to take 2 Samuel chapter 17, where Absalom decides his direction. Alright, uh, we'll just jump into the first four verses. The council of Ahithophel. So moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. Then I will bring back all the people to you. When all return except the man whom you seek, all the people will be at peace. And the saying pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. So Ahithophel advised a quick, selective attack against David only. I will strike only the king. He advised urgency, doing it all while David was still west of the Jordan River. And this slip of the tongue was more like an unknowing prophecy. Deep in his heart, even Ahithophel knew that David was the real king. And Ahithophel's plan was smart. He was bold and had a high probability of success, and it would spare Israel a protracted civil war between the supporters of David and the supporters of Absalom. So, verse 3 the second bit of advice that which Hittophel gave uh, Absalom was that he, Ahithophel, should be delegated to pursue David in order to kill him and return everyone else. With their king dead, his followers would certainly capitulate and return to Jerusalem peacefully. Apparently, Ahithophel's plan was to quickly surround the forces of David and create such a panic that all would flee, making it possible to slay only David. This would make it easier to win over the remnant of David's cohorts. And so verse 4, he thought that the advice of Ahithophel was excellent, and if David had been attacked that very night, he would have been but 12 or 15 miles from the capital without food or ammunition, right? With his forces in a serious state of disorganization, the rebellion of Absalom would have secured its objective, and David would have met with a certain defeat. So, verse 5, eager for a second opinion, Absalom called for Hushai, which you'll remember from the previous chapter, who was sent to give bad advice to counter Ahithophel. And so he asked him if Ahithophel's counsel was wise. Alright, verse 5 through 10. Hushai disagrees with Ahithophel's advice. Then Absalom said, Now call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he says too. And when Hushai came up to Absalom, Absalom spoke to him, saying, Ahithophel has spoken in this manner. Shall we do as he says? If not, speak up. So Hushai said to Absalom, The advice that Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. For, said Hushai, You know your father and his men, and they are mighty men, and they are enraged in their minds, like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. And your father is a man of war, and will not camp with the people. Surely by now he is hidden in some pit, or in some other place. And it will be, when some of them are overthrown at the first, that whoever hears it will say, There is a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. And even he who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt completely. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and those who are with him are valiant men. So, it is a remarkable evidence of the hand of God and prayer to David's prayer in 2 Samuel 15 verse 31 that Absalom even asked for another opinion after such a wise, well-received counsel, right? And we can imagine that Hushai's heart sank when he heard of the smart plan that Ahithophel suggested, and he had to quickly think of a counter plan so that he could defeat the counsel of Ahithophel, as David asked him to do in 2 Samuel 15, verses 32 through 35. So Hushai spoke of the David of the past, not the David of the present. So Hushai saw David with his own eyes and knew that he was not strong and mighty, so he hoped that Absalom would vividly remember the David of the past. 
So Hoshai knew David could barely keep himself together, but he effectively painted the picture that David and his men were dangerous and should not be attacked quickly. So Hoshai's point is that it was too risky to attack David immediately, and we can imagine that he said all this praying that God would indeed answer David's prayer and defeat the council of Ahithophel. Alright, so verse 8, Hoshai told Absalom that David and his men, far from being exhausted, would be more courageous and fearsome than ever. Hoshai's argument was that David's men would fight like a cornered bear, like a wild bear whose cubs had been stolen. The king, Hushai said, would be enraged over the loss of his kingdom. To move against him now would be foolish. So the Syrian bear is said to be particularly ferocious, and the Septuagint adds and like a savage sow in the uh, in the plain, which is more like the Greek than the Hebrew, and it must have been added by a later writer. All right, verse 10, initial casualties which were certain to occur would cause Absalom's men to despair of victory, and thus his cause would have been defeated. All right, verses 11 through 13, Hushai advises Absalom to raise a huge army and get David in person. Therefore, I advise that all Israel be fully gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is by the sea for the multitude, and that you go to battle in person. So we will come upon him in some place where he may be found, and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground. And of him and all the men who are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he has withdrawn into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city, and we will pull it into the river, until there is not one small stone found there. So this was going to take time. Hushai not only wanted to defeat the council of Ahithophel, but he also wanted to do whatever he could to buy David more time before the inevitable attack came. And this suggestion that he gave favored Absalom's vanity. He could prove that he was the mighty soldier like his father David. In Ahithophel's plan, Ahithophel led the battle. In Hushai's plan, Absalom led the battle. So it would be far better, Hushai continued, for Absalom to wait until he could amass a huge army and then attack. In verse 12, the verb light upon him is used of swarms of locusts in Exodus chapter 10 verse 14 or flies and bees settling down in Isaiah chapter 7 verses 18 and 19. Uh, verse 13, bring ropes. When you besiege a town, hooks or cranes are often thrown upon the walls or turrets which, by which, with ropes attached to them, the besiegers, uniting all their force, would pull down the fortifications in a mass of ruins, right? They would pull down the walls. And we will draw it into the river. Hushai said the city in which David might hide would be completely destroyed. Most cities were built on hills, and the penalty of a conquered city was to be treated as is expressed in the words of Micah chapter 1 verse 6, I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley. David and his host could then be destroyed even if it meant dragging their place of the ref- of refuge into the valley. Right. Verse 14, Absalom and the elders favor Hushai's advice. So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the, the advice of Hushai the archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. For the Lord has purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. So, this is the first time that anybody said this. People always favored the advice of Ahithophel. One reason Absalom liked Hushai's advice because it appealed to his vanity. And this was a greater reason why the advice of Ahithophel was rejected. God was in control. The throne of Israel belonged to him, God. And he, God, could grant it or deny it at his, God's will, right? So Absalom had the smartest man in Israel on his side, but David's prayer was mightier than Ahithophel's smarts. God 
God led Ahithophel to give foolish counsel that was listened to, as in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 20 through 23, and God allowed Ahithophel to give great advice and yet have it be rejected. God was in control and the Lord had purposed, right? So this is one of the great principles of life, which every page of the Bible emphasizes and illustrates. Men cannot escape God. They go their own way, but that never sets them free from the authority and the invincible power of God. We see that the Lord purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel because David prayed. Prayer moves the hand of God, and David prayed. O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. 2 Samuel 15, verse 31. So in all this, there was a severe chastening for David, and he knew it. Yet God did not forsake David during this time of chastening. He was there for David at this time also, and he was not out to destroy David, but to correct him. All right, verse 14, Absalom was at once struck with Hushai's uh, sagacity and decided to follow the instruction and reject that of Ahithophel. Obviously, this was the Lord's doing to frustrate Ahithophel's advice and bring disaster on Absalom. All right, verse 16, 7, 15 and 16. Zadok sends his sons to tell David. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, Thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so I have advised. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. So this is exactly what David had in mind when he sent Hushai and the priests back to Absalom in 2 Samuel 15 verses 35 and 36. Hushai meant that David should cross over the Jordan River, giving him room and time to regroup before Absalom's attack. All right. Hushai immediately communicated Ahithophel's advice and his own to Zadok and Abiathar, who then sent their sons to Jonathan and Ahimaaz from Enrogel, which is south of Jerusalem, to David with the message that he must hasten his flight. Right? Hurry up and get out of there. Enrogel, perhaps the Fuller's Spring, mentioned in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 9, it was the valley of Kidron below the village of Silwan and near the junction of the valleys of Kidron and Hanom. And it served as a landmark on the boundary between Judah and Benjamin. All right, verses 17 through 22, David is warned. Now, Jonathan and Ahimaaz stayed in Enrogel, for they dared not to be seen coming into the city, so a female servant would come and tell them, and they would go and tell King David. Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. But both of them went quickly and came to a man's house in Baharim who had a well in his court and they went down into it and then the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread ground grain on it and the thing was not known and when Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house they said where are Ahamaz and Jonathan so the woman said to them they have gone over to the water brook and when they had searched and couldn't find them, they returned to Jerusalem. Now it came to pass after they departed that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said to David, Arise and cross over the water quickly, for thus has Ahithophel advised against you. So David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan. And by morning light, not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. So Jonathan Ahimaaz could find help along the way. The whole nation had not gone over to Absalom, especially since he publicly disgraced David's concubines. And because of this successful intelligence operation, David escaped the immediate danger from Absalom. Looking back, verse 17, a wench literally means a maidservant, and the definite article in the Hebrew may denote simply a maid chosen for the task, or it may denote a particular servant taken from the household of one of the priests who could be entrusted with the mission. She could go to the fountain for water with 
without uh, exciting suspicion, and since the drawing of water was carried on mainly by women. Verse 18, But the young men were spotted, and their errand was reported to Absalom, and thanks to the boldness and kindness of the woman in the village of Baharim, east of the Mount of Olives, chapter 16, verse 5, they escaped detection by hiding in a dry well. Interesting. Always a woman by a well. It's a very interesting study. <clears throat> Ground corn in verse 19, this was bruised or husked wheat or barley, which the people prepared by pounding it into mortar. And verse 21, they made their way to David, who is now at the Jordan. And verse 22, without delay, David and his followers crossed the river where they sought refuge in Mahanaim. All right, verse 23, Ahithophel commits suicide. So now when Ahithophel saw that the advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey and he rose and went home to his house, to his city, and he put his household in order and he hanged himself and died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. So Ahithophel did not kill himself over hurt feelings because his counsel was rejected. Instead, he was wise enough to know that under Hashai's plan, Absalom would fail and Ahithophel would be implicated in the conspiracy. So he already knew all was lost. And Ahithophel committed suicide, and we know that suicide is a sin because it is self-murder, and God commanded you shall not murder. It is still an attack on God's image, right? He made us in his image, and self-murder, no matter what the purpose is, is still murder nonetheless. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Yet, suicide should not be regarded as an unforgivable sin, right? Anyone who does commit suicide is given into lies and deceptions of Satan, whose purpose is to kill and destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10. Suicide is always the ultimate action of cowardice. In the case of Saul and in many similar cases, it is perfectly natural. But let it never be glorified as heroic. It is the last resort of the man who dare not stand up to life, right? And I desire to call your attention on the text on account of its very remarkable character. He put his house in order and hanged himself. To put his house in order showed that he was a prudent man. To hang himself proved that he was a fool. Herein is a strange mixture of discretion and desperation, mind and madness. Shall a man have wisdom enough to arrange his worldly affairs with care, yet he was so hapless as to take his own life afterwards. So thousands have set their houses in order, but destroy their souls. And they will look well to their flocks and their herds, but not to their heart's best interest. They gather broken shells with continuous industry, but they throw away priceless diamonds. They exercise forethought, prudence, care everywhere, but where they are most required. They save their money, but squander their happiness. They are guardians of their estate, but suicides of their souls. Alright, so back at Jerusalem, Ahithophel crushed because his counsel to Absalom had been spurned, committed suicide in his hometown by hanging himself. Ahithophel had worked himself into a difficult predicament. If Absalom had been victorious, Ahithophel would have give have to give way to Hashai. If David had been victorious, Ahithophel would have been called to account for his advice concerning the proposed capture of David. The people knew his precarious position and understood the thinking of a hopelessly defeated man. And it may be noted that the suicide of Ahithophel did not exclude him from regular burial in the family sepulcher. The care with which Ahithophel prepared himself and his family in the burial in the family plot suggests that this suicide was not frowned upon. The number of suicides in the Bible is extremely few, right? Judas being another one. All right, verses 24 through 26, Absalom crosses the Jordan to pursue David. Then David went to Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed over the Jordan. He and all the men 
men of Israel with him, and Absalom made Amasa captain of the army instead of Joab. And Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jithra, an Israelite, who had gone into Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zariah, Joab's mother. So Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. Now Absalom was the head of Israel's army. This was good for Absalom's vanity, but it was bad for success in the battlefield. So Absalom's vanity ensured his ruin. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the army instead of Joab. And Amasa was the son of a niece of David and a cousin of Joab. All right. So probably David chose to go to Mahanaim because it was fortified and also had served as a capital of Israel under Ishbosheth in chapter 2 verse 8. There could have well been a residue of good feeling there towards David because of David's past favors to Saul's family, especially to Mephibosheth in chapter 9 verses 10 through 13. And this city was significant in patriarchal days and was the scene of one of Jacob's stops on his return to Palestine to meet with his brother Esau. You remember that in the book of Genesis. At this place, Jacob saw in a vision the divine messengers encircling and protecting his camp, and he named it Mahanaim, which means twin camps. So Absalom passed over the Jordan, and it is not said how long an interval elapsed, but it must have been sufficient time to make the intended levy in verse 11 throughout the kingdom. All right, and in verse 25, by the genealogy, it appears that Amasa stood in the same relation to David as Joab, both being his half-nephews. Of course, Amasa was Absalom's cousin, and though himself an Israelite, his father was an Ishmaelite in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 17, for clarification. All right, verses 27 through 29, David's going to find supporters in Gilead. Now it happened when David had come to Mahanaim that Shobi, the son of Nahash from Rabbah, of the people of Ammon, Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar and Barzillai, the Gileadite from Rogalim, brought beds and basins, earthen vessels of wheat and barley and flour, parched grain and beads, lentils and parched seeds, honey and curds, sheep and cheese for the herd, and David and the people who were with him to eat. For they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. These otherwise obscure men are given special mention because they helped David in a time of great need. Friends in need are friends indeed. And these helpers of David were not dramatic warriors, but they helped David in a crisis as much as the bravest soldier. They were especially sent by God to comfort David in his affliction. And it was as though God stooped over that stricken soul, and as the blows of the rod cut long furrows in the sufferer's back, the balm of uh, Gilead was poured into the gaping wounds. Voices spoke more gently, hands touched more softly, pitiful compassion rained tender assurances about his path, and better than all, the bright harness angels of God's protection encamped about his path and is lying down. All right, in verse 27, Shobi must have been the brother of Hanun, disapproving probably uh, of that young king's outrage among the Israelite ambassadors. He had been made governor of Ammon by David on the conquest of the country. Uh, Machir, the son of Amiel, dwelling in Lodabar in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. He's a wealthy landowner who protected Mephibosheth until assured of the friendly intentions of David. And you can compare that with uh, Joseph in the antiquities. Uh, he may have been a brother of Bathsheba as an Amiel was the father of Bathsheba. In the parallel passage 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 3, by transposition of the two parts of the name, he is called Eliam, meaning my God is a kinsman. Alright, Barzillai, uh, this is a Gileadite of Roglim. It says 25 miles north of Mahanaim, conducted David uh, over Jordan. 
but being an old man of 80 years of age, he declined David's invitation to come to live in the capital and sent instead his son Chimham in 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 31-39. through 39. David, before his death, charged Solomon to show kindness to the sons of Barzillai in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 7. And in verse 29, these three men were chieftains tributary to David, bound to him by ties of loyalty and obligation. Besides, they have preferred to cast their lot with David, a known quantity, as opposed to Absalom, an unknown. That ties up chapter 17. Next time we get in chapter 18, we will speak about Absalom's defeat and his death. Thank you for joining me.